being women that makes life harder for women it's sexism it's not loving a man that makes life harder for gay guys it's homophobia and it's not the passage of time that makes getting older so much harder than it should be it's ageism like races and sexes ageism serves a social and economic purpose legitimize and sustain inequalities between groups it's not about how we look but it's about how people in power assign meaning to how we look ageism is stereotyping and discrimination based on person's age we experience it many times so men assume that you're too old for something a task a haircut a relationship or maybe a travel instead of finding out who we are and what we are capable of or maybe too young ageism cuts both the ways although in youth based society holders bear the brunt of it from childhood on we are barraged by message that it's sad to be old and those wrinkles are embarrassing and older adults are useless being young you're not qualified for this position a certain job we are too young for such big salary packages or maybe the they're not so mature for the wisdom why why does it happen and how one can tackle this on personal level tune in hey everyone i'm priya sachdeva and you are listening to training diary the podcast your journey to connect with ideas stories experiences and people and get a deeper understanding of the world around you starts now Today I'm connected with author and activist Ashton Applewhite. A lively, funny and deeply researched this year rocks a manifesto against ageism. This book traces Applewhite's journey from apprehensive boomer to pro-aging radical and the process debunks myth after myth about the late life. Her book explains the roots of ageism in history and our age denial and how it divides and debases examines how ageist myths and stereotypes cripples the way our brain and bodies function and look at the ageism in the workplace and the bedroom too describes what an old age friendly world would look like and concludes with the rousing call to action whether you are younger whether you are younger or getting older this episode will shake you by the shoulders cheer you up make you mad and change the way you see the rest of your life Let's begin your journey for the age bright. Tune in. Hi Priya. Hi, how are you? How are you? I am good. Thank you for joining in. You're welcome. I have a good mic here that I will plug in. Yeah. Are you in India? Yes. Oh, it's the middle of the night for you. Uh, yes. Uh, it's, it's early morning to you, right? Early-ish. Where in India? In Delhi. It's very near to Delhi. So I'm in Gurugram, Guru, Guru which is just 30 minutes away from Delhi. So, yeah. I've been, been to India twice. Uh, where have you been? Both, both times for the first time 
first time in my backpacking days in my 20s. And then we took our kids. There were 14 of us, 13 of us for uh, three weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Where have you been in India? Um, The first time I came in from Nepal um, into Delhi and then down um, into Rajasthan and then down the coast, Mumbai, um, uh, Kerala. Mm -hmm. And then the second time, partly because I had already been there, we went, we flew into um, Kolkata. Mm -hmm. And then we went... um, we spent 10 days, uh, a week there, which was fantastic. And then we went to, um, we took the, tr- we flew to Kerala because it's, I wanted them to have the experience on the boat. And then we took the train to Chennai. Mm-hmm. And then we went down the coast to Pondicherry and Mahalabalapuram. It's like you have visited more India than me. <laughs> well, it's always the way. It's great. It's great. Where, in which part of country are you right now? I'm in New York City. Oh, this has been a dream city for many people in India. Believe me. I love India. <laughs> yeah. I like the noise. I like the colors. I like the messiness. I hope that's not insulting. Not really. Not really. I like it. I like it. Me gusta. What did you appreciate the most? What vibe did you get? What is the best? I always say that, that compared to the rest of the world, or at least to the U.S., the places I've been, mm-hmm. it's like India is it. It's exactly the opposite of our background, sort of. India is it, everywhere else is black and white, and India is in color. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Indeed. So, Ashton, thank you so much, first of all, for coming on Training Dad. It's pleasure to have you this early morning in your time. So, thank you so much. You're welcome. And first, I'm curious to know, I guess every listener who is listening here, uh, they're curious to know that why you do what you do. (laughs) Um, Well, I am one of those people who was never able to figure out what to be. I never had a clear career path. I have become a writer Mm -hmm. um, and I've been a writer, but I didn't start. I didn't start writing seriously until my 40s. Um, and I find writing very difficult. So I never had a dream of becoming a writer, but I write because I find a subject that seems important to me. I never thought I would become a public figure. I'm an introvert, but I became a public speaker because I had a message that seemed bigger than me, much bigger than me. And I write and speak about ageism, which is discrimination and prejudice on the basis of age. Age is to ageism what race is to racism and sex is to sexism. And I started it in my mid-50s, which is almost 15 years ago now, simply because I was afraid of getting old. I realized I was very apprehensive. I'm nerdy. So I started interviewing older people and researching longevity and learned so, so early on, like in a matter of months, if not weeks, that what I, everything I thought I knew about what it was like to be really old was way off base or flat out wrong. And so I became obsessed with why so few people know these things and what are the forces that want us to, that profit, profit literally, financially, or uh, from exploiting our fears, or that profit when we are divided 
um, old versus young. Um, so I became an activist also. Explaining mm-hmm. that we are being ageist anytime we make an assumption about someone on the basis of how old we think they are. You are pretty young relative to me. It would be ageist of me to assume, oh, gee, she's too young to know what she's doing, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or you assume of me, oh, Ashton is older, therefore she must know so much. That's ageism too. It's any judgment. You're too young, you're too old. It's the same as making a judgment about someone on the basis of their accent or the color of their skin. You need to talk to them mm-hmm. and find out mm-hmm. what they're capable of and what they're interested in, right? So older people experience much more ageism because we live in, in the West, especially, I think more so than India, in a youth-obsessed culture and American um, consumer culture, Hollywood, advertising, all fuel this idea that young is beautiful, young is sexy. Uh, We have many more younger faces than older ones. So all those things feed the idea that to age is to lose value as a human being. So that's ageism. And indeed, you mentioned it so right. It's not just in the West. And the reason, you know, I want to address this topic, it's also in the East, you know. Yeah, it's true. People people always say, isn't it better somewhere else? And I say sometimes, I mean, in India, it's my understanding that the vast majority of older people live in community with their families and age at home, which is great. But I also like to point out that societies where older people are held in great esteem, great more respect, are sometimes not good societies in which to be young. We need need a balance. Mm You mentioned it so right. Uh, that's what I was saying. That in India, my experience, my observation has also been, you know, that where older people are getting the uh, the biasness into the self esteem, into the respect, and into the opportunities. Similarly, it happens with the younger ones. You know, when you go to a I job, I see a lot. Yes, about they, 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 um, they, they're supposed to be less wisdom. You're supposed to be less wise at this age but it's not like that you know if you are doing the same work as a 40 year man or maybe 20 year 20 year ladies doing the same work to the 40 year man you're supposed to get the same pay that's exactly right yeah yeah i mean it's or you could make the same argument about gender you know Mm -hmm. uh, because you're you know identify as a woman doesn't mean you know that you are less qualified or a man more qualified so it's all these prejudices work in a similar fashion. And, um, and when we give one, you know, we let one go, we, we sort of give an excuse for the other one to be excused. On the other hand, when we, when we confront any form of prejudice, we attack them all because we chip away at the fear and the ignorance and the blindness that underlies all prejudice. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And uh, most importantly, I allowed it when you mentioned in your one of the TED talk that uh, ageism is not being aged is not a disease to be cured. And it it has become a market. Yeah, it has become a market. 
the, you know, well, here we here we are in capitalism, of yeah. course, and, and the U.S. is a hyper capitalist society. If I can be persuaded yeah. that because my hormone levels change and I'm and I'm not a doctor and I'm not saying there are no conditions where you should not treat hormone, mm. but but for but in men, your testosterone drops and a lot of men take testosterone supplements because they believe that aging can be stopped and that, you know, this is a natural physiological transition. Um, Another, um, and people make money. If we accept the way our bodies change, no one can profit from it. It is an ageist and sexist culture that says wrinkles are ugly. Yeah. And they should, you need to fix them. And I don't want to tell women what to do. There are so many people out there telling women what to do. But when we internalize this message, we support the the multi-billion dollar anti-aging piece of the beauty industry. And there's a writer whose work I really admire named Margaret Gallette. And she is the first person. I've seen this formulation elsewhere, but she said, living is aging. And aging is living. We are aging from the minute we are born. It is not some sad oh, yes. thing that old I, people I lost do. You in the last line, oh. I apologize. Can you repeat the last line because you were brilliant? Yeah, yeah. Margaret Gallet, in her book Age Wise, writes: "Living is aging. Aging is living. Mm-hmm. Aging is begins the day we're born." It is not some sad thing that old people do at the ends of their lives, right? It is this beautiful, powerful process. It is the one universal human experience. And it is a source of, of I mean, there are, there, are, there are scary things about it. There mm-hmm. is loss of physical function. Mm-hmm. And that's not welcome. And sometimes there's loss of cognitive function, not always. So I'm not saying everything about it is great. But we never hear both sides of the story. We only hear the scary stuff because two reasons. Mm-hmm. Fear and dissatisfaction make us spend money, mm-hmm. right? On, on beauty creams, on plastic surgery, on medical treatments to attempt to stop something that is not stoppable. Mm-hmm. And the treatments are often actually dangerous. Although not always, you should consult a doctor about what is right for you. And the other reason is that all prejudice pits us against each other, whether it's, you know, one group of low paid workers in a factory against another group, mm-hmm. whether it's mothers who work at home versus mothers who, um, you know, go out in the workforce, whether it's old versus young. And when we are pitted against each other, it keeps us from joining forces to work towards a better world for everyone. If mothers were spent less time arguing about how to have it all and who's a better mother, they might join forces to close the gender wage gap so women could choose whether or not to stay home. We are going to need old and young alike working together to tackle climate change above all, but all these other issues of inequity. And every time you hear old people, they're conservative or young people, they're foolish and selfish. It divides us in a really damaging and ignorant way. Mm-hmm. So,
So what do you think that, you know, how, because here we are discussing the problem, these are the things need to be addressed, where you mentioned it so right. So how these roots can be treated, how this unity can be gained, what do you think, what's the solution, whether it's getting the right influence into the people, there would be some campaigns, I do not know. So what's uh, your idea of, you know, improving it? What's your idea of unity? As the saying goes, all change starts within. We can't confront bias unless we're aware of it. Mm -hmm. Most people are less aware of and less um, and understand ageism less well than racism and sexism, for example. So the first most important step is to look at your own attitudes towards age and aging mm -hmm. and really examine them. Think, for example, about how you use the words old and young. We tend to use young to be, I feel so young, older people say. What they mean is they feel sexy, they feel energetic, they feel competent. You can feel all those things all the way along, feeling old, you can feel incompetent and invisible mm -hmm. and unattractive as a teenager right? Way more than you do when you're older. So try to break, to decouple the words old and young from anything but what they actually mean, which is having been around a long time, having been around a short time. So once you start to see your own age bias, and again, we all have bias um, among older people, a tendency to blame when something part of your body hurts. Oh, I'm so old. Well, you know, I have a joke in my TED talk. Mm -hmm. I stopped blaming my sore knee on being my age. I'm 69 now because my other knee doesn't hurt. And it's just as old. This tendency to give age more credit than it deserves. Those people won't want to talk to me because there's a big age gap. Go talk to them. Find out. We don't, we think that age is a big barrier and it's much less of a barrier than class, than ethnicity, than gender, right? Whether, whether you have much more in common with people who share your background who are way different from you in age, right? So the first step is to look at your own attitudes and then think about, you know, look, at, look around at other social movements. Look at how far we have come on revising the way we think about homosexuality mm -hmm. and about transgender people. Indeed. Massive social change in just a few decades. So we can study those other movements. Your readers should know about a resource bank that I created with two people called Old School. Mm -hmm. The website is oldschool.info, mm -hmm. and it is the we used an old-fashioned word, a clearinghouse, which mm -hmm. is a place where goods in the old days from, from ships, you know, you, they would come like a warehouse. They would come in, and they would go out. It's where they moved through. Mm -hmm. So the old-school anti-ageism clearinghouse is, has hundreds of free, checked out, we, we read each one carefully, anti-ageism resources. Go there and look around. There's videos, there's books. The books are not free 
Everything else is free. There's tip sheets about language. There are guides to how to start conversations about ageism. Almost everything is in English, but we are working on uh, developing a Spanish language site. If anyone wants to translate anything we have created into, I know India has many languages, but you are welcome to do it. You are welcome to take and appropriate anything we have created. You know, we need, we need to teach kids about ageism when they learn about racism and sexism. So there are as many ways into this awareness as there are people in the universe. Also, what do you think how aging enriches us? What has been your experience? Well, my best example of the fact that aging enriches us is that I don't know anyone who actually wants to be any younger. Mm -hmm. Would you go back to your teenage years? Oh, probably not. Absolutely. Right. Well, I wouldn't either. And, you know, even people who are very apprehensive about getting older understand that our years are what make us us. We are the process. We have this idea of aging as a because we live in an ageist world mm -hmm. of loss. It's just one thing or another going away. You only lose. Some part of your body is going to fall apart. You are going to lose physical strength and function less well. It's why more older people are dying of COVID, right? That's a fact. The other thing you lose is friends you have known all your life, which is why it's so important to make younger friends. And it's really important for younger people to have older friends so you can see how much we like being old, because of course we gain physical threat from the virus, we're more resilient and more optimistic just because we have lived through more scary stuff. And we think, you know, I, I'll, I'll probably be okay. I'm going to take, you have a longer view simply because you've been around longer. And that is very helpful. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it so, right? It's all about like, you know, we all want to grow young, grow old, but also we don't want to die young. So, yep. yeah, it's a paradox. <laughs> and... Uh, what is the change in the assumption, the first change in the attitude? Uh, just give us a line through which you can, you know, convey that this change in attitude in action that young people or the old people can bring. So this, you know, that's literally. not for me to, that's not for me to say that is for each person to say, uh -huh. I mean, I, my favorite reaction to my book is like someone says, oh, crap, I didn't realize how ageist I am, how these ideas from outside the culture mm. have become, have sunk into my brain in a way that is bad for me. Mm -hmm. So, but what that, how that reality strikes you and whether and how you choose to take that awareness out in the world is utterly individual. Mm -hmm. I mean, you started this show. That's how you did it. Yes. You know, maybe someone else just might say when someone says something ageist, oh, what could you know at your age? You know, maybe they said, what might say, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like, just ask the person gently to reconsider 
the the offensive thing they just said, right? Not not like not in an aggressive way, but in a way that says, hmm, you know, that's that's a comment about my age. And I'm sure you wouldn't make a similar comment about my gender or about my race. So you might want to think about whether it's okay to make that kind of comment on the basis of age. You know, you mentioned it too, I when it comes to the women. There is an intersection of uh, sexism plus ageism, so it's even harder. So, did you face that too? Means, uh, what kind of that phase looked like to you? Well, it, it, there, it's a very important subject to me because I'm old and I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Also, my first book was about women who ended their marriages, and I learned a lot about how sexism and patriarchy operate in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we need to think about the, the women's movement and think what the women's movement did to elevate the voice and, and power and position of women around the world, mm-hmm. because that is an ana- analogy to exactly what we need to do around ageism. We need a grassroots movement that raises awareness of ageism, which affects every human being from the beginning of their lives to the end. That doesn't make it more important, but it makes it accessible to everyone, you know, ha- has, a, has something at stake in this struggle. Of course, everyone has something at stake in every struggle. White people have an enormous amount at stake in the struggle against racism. All these things are interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, at Old School, we just published last month a guide to starting a conversation around the intersection of ageism and sexism. So I urge everyone who's listening to download it. It's free. And ideally, start a group where you talk about these things maybe once every couple of weeks, because consciousness raising, it's, a, it's called the consciousness raising group. What consciousness raising does is when people come together and share their experiences, what happens is when you talk about your own, not, not telling other people what to do, just talking about what happened to you, it makes people realize that the barriers that they are encountering, and in the case of women, it tends to be getting harassed, not getting heard, not getting equal pay, that these are not your problem. They are not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. They are widely shared political and social problems that we can come together and do something about. And that process is liberating. It's empowering, right? Because you're like, oh, it's between my ears is part of it, but that's just the window Hmm. into which I can see now. It's like lifting a veil. I can see now these other forces at work that do not have my best interests at mind, to say the least, and we can come together and do something about it. And if you want examples, look at look at the women's movement. Look at the movement towards um, LGBTQ rights. Look at you know anti-racist work around the world. They all are examples in which each of which is different, and it's different for each individual and each organization. But from each one, we can draw very valuable lessons about how to raise awareness of ageism as well. Indeed. And uh, 
you mentioned it so right when when it things become not just for the individual but for the community it becomes more empowering and uh, again there's a one point that stayed with me here that it's it's not just your problem your problem is exactly. just not your problem it's all about us and it's and we will not be able to confront it until unless we think we empathize okay that person is sharing the similar thing you know that yeah, one has passed through similar pain so the similar joy so that's exactly. how we connect better so that's the basic basis of forming a community the same pain same joy so you we need to find the joy indeed indeed right that's something going to stay with me right and also there's a one advice you would love to give to younger self what it would be um i would say life is long if mm-hmm. you're lucky mm-hmm. and um not to think you have to figure it out you know each decision you make of course seems like very momentous like oh my god what if i make the wrong decision um very little in life is right or wrong there's better but even but even when we make a decision or or you know take a job that ends up terrible or end in, enter into a relationship with someone who breaks our heart the sad fact is we learn more much more from pain and failure than we do when the road goes smoothly so each decision is just the next decision mm-hmm. right you know this is a, this uh, saying is very popular in india especially because of a old mythological text which comes from the gita where krishna has uh, guided arjun for that whatever you decide just decide things are always going to better and even if it's going to worst it's better than the state of indecisiveness never let you oh, that's so good to hear i did not know that was in the gita so yes. i'm 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 glad i'm on, i'm glad i'm uh i'm glad we're in agreement on that <laughs> yes never let never let yourself be in a position where you're not deciding anything you know be a decision maker that's the real power that's the real authority so whatever it comes to take a decision and make it right it's your destiny yeah indeed you again will it right <laughs> i mean i certainly never thought that i would be a writer be an activist or let alone be the most politically and professionally engaged that i have ever been i'm going to be 70 in june mm-hmm. you know and who who knew not me i didn't have a plan <laughs> and i remember i was shocked when you said uh, you were an introvert and believe me i can resonate it a lot now i'm hosting talking with people around the world but that's something you know again i share very similar to you i had been a girl who never you know raised from her couch i love to watch movies love to read books but i hardly go out and talk to people i hardly been anywhere around the world but yes you know you do the right things for the right purpose so and i remember listening to your ted talk and the applauses when you get the standing ovation you get it like okay this is a very good speech there are a lot to learn from this lady <laughs> thank you <laughs> indeed and coming back to the last thing which i'm always curious to know from my guest what is the one trend that you really want to see more evolving in the new world or i should say one trend that you want to see more um embrace in the new era well i um am hoping it's i mean my perspective is is western um obviously uh but i do think that the pandemic 
Mm-hmm. And in, in the U.S. in particular, the Black Lives Matter movement exposed the way um, that, that racism, um, we, we see who are the victims uh, predominantly of the pandemic. We see who are the victims primarily of climate migration. We see that these are marginalized people of every, you know, from everywhere in the world and of every country. And I think that we need to understand that to raise awareness of ageism is hand in hand with raising awareness of racism and of sexism and of anti-immigrant sentiment. All these struggles are united. There's a wonderful um, poet and activist. She sadly died quite young in the U.S., a black woman named Audrey Lord, And she says, there's no such thing as a single issue struggle because we don't lead single issues lives. That's the premise of intersectionality. The struggles that a black woman my age faces are different from the ones I face as a white woman and different from you as an Indian woman and, and yours are different from an Indian man and so on. When, so, but when we push against any form of discrimination, we erode the fear and ignorance that underlie them all. So that was the lesson of the pandemic for me. I I sort of knew it in my head, but now I understand it better that we really need to support every struggle for human rights and continue to expose the way in which both the prejudices and the struggles Mm -hmm. are intersectional and that we can work against them all and we have to. And I really, really appreciate this point where you mentioned, you know, each one of us have our own struggle. Each one of us has our own life problems. And one just get through it by addressing it. And you and me. Oh, and what, anyone, one more point, Priya. Uh-huh. Even the littlest act. Yeah. Of the kind littlest of- act changes the culture. Indeed. You know, not everyone has the, the character and the resources to become a full-time activist like me. Mm-hmm. But even if all you do is question your own attitude, that is mm-hmm. changing the way you are in the world. And that's changing the world. And thank you for so much for mentioning because this is a philosophy I believe in that it's all start from because I, at this stage, probably I'm not thinking of the big, big global level. I'm just thinking what, what are the improvements? What are the area of improvements in me? or maybe the people around me. So it's, it's a small act, or maybe this small act of kindness, as you mentioned, right? That we are supposed to support each other in our problems. We're supposed to address whether it's the discrimination from the age, from the sex, from any other matter. So it's the small act exactly of right. kindness. It's addressing each other's problem. And the smallest act of change, indeed. I love that. Thank you for mentioning. You're here. <laughs> thank you so much for this chance to meet you. Yes, thank you so much, Ashwin. It's lovely, lovely to meet you. I'll update you with the episode live and hope to work in with you in future. If anyhow I can be in service, please let me know. Anyway. I will. Yes, thank you so much. It's wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and listening to the episode. And I'm overwhelmed by your love because every time you come and listen to our episode, listen to our conversation, which led us to create more, to bring more amazing people, ideas, and story on the show. And 
I need your love more. I need your blessings more. So just share the episodes, subscribe, and do leave a review on Apple Podcast. That will help us to know what do you think and how we can improve it better with your songs. Without ageism, we will live in the world that respects everyone and everyone's future self. A place where we can all participate at every age. Older adults who are pains in the bum will be treated the same as the young people pains in the bum. And extraordinary young talents will be given the same opportunity as the old one with the similar skills. No one's asking for special treatment. And that's how we get rid of ageism. That's my idea. What's yours? Do DM us on Instagram page of Trending Diary. I'm excited to hear it. Thank you beautiful people for listening. I hope you get some value today and enjoy the episode. And we are just able to add 1% for your larger perspective of the world. And if you have some idea or surprise story to share, do DMS and then Instagram page of Trending Diary. Also, believe that you might like to participate in a free giveaway where you can get some free, amazing, surprising gifts and fashion clothes. Hurry it up because we are going to end the giveaway soon after the festive season. Might be in the first week of December, so you have very few days left. The only thing you're supposed to do is listen to the episode, screenshot, whatever you find the best one according to you and tag us on the Instagram page of Trending Diary. Fast. And Anna, do not forget to check out our new YouTube channel, The Trending Diary Show, where you can enjoy the snippets in the virtual form, conversation with the guest and much, much more. I'll see you soon in the next episode. Till then, stay tuned. And God bless us all.